Hello there, you're listening to Manufacturing Tomorrow, brought to you by the Ohio Manufacturing Institute at The Ohio State University. I'm Katherine Kelly, your host. Today, we are speaking with John Brandt, CEO and founder of the MPI Group, and the former editor-in-chief and publisher of both Chief Executive and Industry Week magazines. He is an accomplished management innovator and an internationally recognized expert on manufacturing and technology. His book, Nincompoopery, Why Your Customers Hate You and How to Fix It, is based on groundbreaking research into leadership and performance excellence across more than 50,000 organizations. At Industry Week, John led the development of the IW Value Chain Survey, the Industry Week 1000, the World's Best Managed Companies Program, and the IW Census of Manufacturers. And during his tenure, the magazine garnered more than 70 editorial awards for excellence. John has served as a member of the Manufacturing Extension Partnership National Advisory Board, was judged for the National Association of Manufacturers Awards for Workforce Excellence, and co-chair of the Northeast Ohio Product Innovation Initiative. Brandt is a Phi Beta Kappa graduate of Case Western Reserve University, where he received the James Dysart McGee Award in Economics. John, welcome back to the show. Catherine, delighted to be back. Thank you for inviting me. Rare occurrence. Um, to be transparent, uh, Ned Hill, uh, a faculty member, and I at the Ohio Manufacturing Institute have been working with the MPI group on a NIST Manufacturing Extension Partnership-funded program called Digital Transformation for Manufacturers. Would you provide a brief description of this program and what we are doing to support manufacturers? Yeah, this is a the Digital Transformation for Manufacturers program is in a, uh, an effort put forth by NIST MEP and working with the Ohio Manufacturing Institute, uh, State of Ohio, was one of uh, three, uh, one of 11 different grants made three years ago to try to help man manufacturers digitize. We are seeing incredible things happening with Industry 4.0, with Internet of Things, et cetera. And yet we have seen a lot of these uh, gains be consolidated among some of the larger manufacturing firms globally. And we have seen it start to move toward midsize and smaller manufacturers. This is really an effort to help all manufacturers figure out how to digitize their operations. Um, it's really important because we're starting to see in some ways digital haves and digital have-nots the same way we talk about in society. We have internet haves and internet have-nots. It's really important because there's so many great things that manufacturers can do with this. And yet we see a number of manufacturers who have not really gotten involved yet. And that can be for a lot of different reasons. Uh, at the MPI group, we've been studying this since 2000, I think 15, we've done, I think, five or six different studies on Industry 4.0, Internet of Things, among manufacturers globally. And one of the interesting things that we have seen in that research is that, A, it's one of the quickest adoptions of technology we've seen, at least for some manufacturers. But those who are lagging, we ask all the time, you know, what are the biggest challenges you face with this? And what we find in every single study we've done is that the biggest challenge manufacturers face is not budgets, it's not necessarily finding expertise, it is ideation. It is sort of, we we don't really know what the use case is for our industry, and we need some help with that. So this program combines an assessment, which uh, we created a digital maturity model with the team here, and let's manufacturers figure out on a scale of zero to five how mature they are in terms of digitization, use of these new technologies. More importantly than that, though, it gives them a score on that, and then it has a series of tools, training, et cetera, that allows them to figure out, okay, how would we go about moving from whatever stage of digitization we're at right now 
to the next stage? And how do you lead one of these projects? And working with the Ohio Manufacturing Extension Partnership, what role are they playing in this assessment? A, a really important role. Um, manufacturing Extension Partnership, for those who may or may not know about these, these are centers that help manufacturers figure out how to, how to whether it's lean, whether it's continuous improvement, whether it's new technologies, working with them. Um, there are a number of centers in the state of Ohio. The Ohio MEP, along with these centers, is getting this out to people. And we've had uh, over uh, 100 assessments done so far based on this program. Even though it's only been three years and, and we, we started up the um, assessment directly with manufacturers uh, of, you know, several months after developing the, the assessment itself, what are, are, can, what can you gather would be the long-term benefits for companies who are, are taking this digital integration path? There are so many different opportunities. And one of the things that we tried to do with this model, with this program, is not focus just on one area. We have eight different areas we're focused on. And those areas include operations, you know, using it within production, but also using it with customers, using it, in, uh, using it in the supply chain, using it across the board here. There are many, many opportunities for essentially manufacturers to continue their continuous improvement efforts there, whether it's lean, et cetera. But use tech, but combine it with technology, and there are so many different ways to do that now. Um, and and it, using these technologies too can also sort of change actually the way that we look at manufacturing in terms of the economics. For example, uh, you can now measure the energy usage uh, that you have on a machine or in your production. You can measure it on a machine, on a line, etc. And this is significant because for 100 years, 150 years, maybe longer, energy has been considered an overhead cost or sort of a uh, you're just paying for it. If you can track the energy usage and then you can figure out, okay, for this, this amount of material that we're producing or this product we're producing, it costs this much energy. All of a sudden that changes energy from an overhead cost to a variable cost which means you can put it on the bill of materials. You put it on the bill of materials, that means you can say, okay, is it more efficient to run it on this line or this line? Is it more efficient on this machine or that machine? Or if you have multiple plants, should we run it in this plant or that plant? Or if you're in a state, for example, where in the summer energy costs go up, if you're during the day because of air conditioning and et cetera, maybe we run this at night. So there's a whole series of things that give you a sort of granularity in your decision-making that you didn't have before. And that's just one example. There, there are tons of examples. One of the things that we've seen, which has been really interesting in this project, is I've been fortunate enough to be able to lead a number of these assessments going into manufacturers. And we are finding examples of what I'm, for lack of a better word, calling hidden, hidden industry 4.0 or hidden internet of things where you'll get this team together and they'll talk about it and you'll say this and they'll, and it turns out they've bought a new machine and they've bought this new machine that has internet of things or industry 4.0 capabilities, but they haven't hooked it up for lack of programming or experience, et cetera. Because think about it. If you, you know, when you go buy a new car, you don't say, I'll take the new car, but give me the radio from 10 or 15 years ago. I want the one that doesn't have CarPlay. I want the CD changer. I want the maps that I have to update every year with a CD. No, you don't do that. You take whatever radio, the, 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 the new technology that's in there. Well, if you buy a new machine in manufacturing right now, more than likely it's going to have industry 4.0 capabilities into it, built into it already. And yet, so we're going into some manufacturers that have this and they're saying, you know, we just haven't hooked it up yet. 
So there's right. a, there's this this wonderful wealth of industry 4.0 that d- is just begging for a thousand to several thousand dollars of programming, maybe to be hooked up. It's just there's there's huge opportunities out there. Yes, that's also what I've seen is the the lack of of you know it's it's, it's I, I I refer to it as buying that. Uh, that, that treadmill or that exercise bike that you're going to start using at the beginning of the year. And then it ends up being a coat rack because you just don't know how to integrate it into the, your daily life. So Correct. You got, yes. I think that's, that's, that's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, um, we've been referring to this process and you mentioned this earlier as an ideation exercise. How has that approach evolved as Ohio MEP and you've worked with manufacturing firms? Well, as the MEPs in Ohio, and frankly, I want to say in other states too, this has been used in 11 other states as well. It was piloted here in Ohio, but other people are hearing about it. So that's, it's getting, it's going nationwide. This whole process, and it isn't just ideation. I want to stress that that's, that's not the only part of this. So this is about how do you lead a project, et cetera. But when we do these assessments, we typically get a, a cross-functional team in a room together. And it can be on Zoom. And, you know, and during the pandemic, certainly it was. Typically, you're going to have a senior executive. Typically, you're going to have production in there. We hope somebody supply chain. It's great to have somebody from finance, maybe somebody in customer service, sales, etc. We'd like to have that cross-functional team because the real magic here, I mean, there's an enormous amount of resources on the site, which is digital-transformation-mfg.com. Uh, so we'll, you know, if you want to go see it, and I, I want to stress, this is at no charge. This is free. U.S. taxpayers have paid for it, so it's a, this is this is free there, free assessment here. Um, getting that group in the room, the real magic is having the discussion there, because what will happen typically is they'll say, "Oh, well, we don't do that," and somebody will go, "Well, we could do that because we've got this capability," or you know, we have a competitor that does this. And when we talk about this being an ideation exercise. Over and over again, I've I've gone into a group where there'll be at least one or two people will say, we can't do that, or we can't do that for this function. But somebody else will say, well, you know, we did see this done in a different industry, or as I mentioned before, a competitor who has done this. And so the and so they start talking about it, they go, well, we could do it. Or or as I mentioned before, there's this hidden internet where they go, well, gosh, we just have to hook it up. We could do that. So it is an ideation exercise in that people start thinking a little bit differently about how they might do the business um, going forward. How would we improve? How would we change this using these technologies that either we have or we could get, and and often at, at a relatively low cost? And as a side note, I'll, I'll put that uh, web link on the show notes. Um, I know we're not identifying uh, firms in this assessment. Uh, that's actually a, a very strong caveat that is, is made uh, when we start these assessments with manufacturers. Uh, however, do you have a, a general recent example of a firm that's used this approach? Yeah, we were, uh, was able to lead, uh, assist in leading one on Zoom oh, earlier, I guess last month. And the what I was talking about just now was really striking happened in that assessment is that you had a group of people and in almost every section, one of the, somebody would say, oh, we can't do that. And yet, as the discussion happened in the room, and we happen to have the right people in the room, they began to see that there was a real opportunity for them across the board. Maybe not in every one of the eight areas that we're looking at, but across the board to do more. And they got quite excited about it. And and it was it's 
you know, it's, you know, very selfishly, it's fun for me when I see people getting that worked up and that excited about it. They're like, well, we could do that. Why, why wouldn't we do that? And they got, they got excited enough that um, we, we did the assessment and they scheduled a meeting for the next week or the week after um, so that they could get back together and do what we suggest. Because we, we want people to do these assessments and to figure out where they have opportunities or frankly, find out where they don't have an opportunity. And then we encourage them to either right after that meeting or maybe a week later, two weeks later, as this company did, get back together with that same group and say, okay, everybody come in with five ideas, 10 ideas, and then prioritize those based on the way you would do any improvement project. You know, how much return can we get from it? How much effort or money is it going to cost? And and we encourage people to then take that. And then we have a series of uh, tools on the website, on the digital transformation website that allow people to figure out how to manage these projects. That's fantastic. That's just one of many stories that you've told uh, doing this assessment with a, a number of manufacturers. Um, and as, as mentioned, you know, there are other states that are beginning to use this tool effectively. effectively. So, um, and the goal is to launch this nationwide after this, this pilot ends. So are, are there other uh, details related to the other states um, that, that uh, could be added to this mix? We've uh, it's been interesting because we've been getting we've been getting calls from MEPs in other states. We've been getting we've had, frankly we've had calls from private consultants saying you know can we can we use this and we're like well yeah it's it's out there it's public as I mentioned the U.S. taxpayers paid for it so you know yes it's a, it's available to anybody and it's just it's exciting to see it growing like this. Uh, needless to say, anything that takes effort has challenges. So it, what are some of the challenges that have occurred along the way and how has the assessment evolved to meet those challenges? I think the one of the first challenges is just getting people, making sure people are aware of this. And also we find that there are a lot of consultants, there are a lot of companies. There is, because it's a new technology, Whenever there's a, a new technology, there is often fear, or I don't know anything about that. Ah, industry 4.0, and people sometimes don't even want to engage. And you know, I mentioned before the biggest challenge is not knowing the use case. That just scares people. Nobody, nobody likes to feel like they don't know what they're doing. And so we find a lot of times that even even people who who are working in the continuous improvement field and who work with firms sometimes can be a little hesitant saying, well, I'm not an expert. And part of that also goes to the fact that the way that we define, not we, I mean, we as a business culture define industry 4.0 or internet of things. We, in the studies that we at MPI have done, we say, what do you think goes into it? What do you, what do you think is part of industry 4.0? And we have a list of 15 things and everybody has a different idea. Some people think, oh, it's AI or oh my God. And, you know, or, 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 or it can, it really, it's, it's a, it's a, wide range of technologies and people sometimes get hesitant because they will, how can we know everything about all that? And of course you can't know everything about all that. And so I, one of the big challenges is just getting people past that fear. And one of the ways we've done that is been to talk about it a little bit differently. You know, Catherine, you mentioned the whole ideation thing, you know, let's just talk about how we might do things differently. The other thing is that it seems to really resonate with people when we talk to them about the fact that this is not some, you know, brave new world, whatever science fiction title you want to use on it. These are just new technologies. This is just continuous improvement combined with a new technology. Everybody's done this 
a bunch of times in their business over the last 10, 20, 30 years, if you've been working that long. This is no different. And if you look at it that way, okay, we're going to do lean or Six Sigma or theory of constraints, we're just going to add some technology to it. It takes some of that fear out. So I think that one of the challenges we've seen is just to get people over, oh, we can't do that. We're, we're not big enough. Or, oh, we can't do that. We, we don't know anything about that. Or, oh, our industry doesn't do that. Well, none of that's true. But that's really just reactions of, of, of I think, you know, the fear of a new technology, which is just, you see this over and over again. Do you think, uh, at least if, if it, um, you know, given that we are, are wor working with the MEP system and, and they are consultative by nature, you know, do you think that that would help or that does help in, in once it's to help in the adoption of the new technologies? Absolutely. Any having anybody who can who can, you know, be a guide or be have, you know, have worked with other manufacturers. I mean, you know, one of the one of the signature, you know, uh, improvements in manufacturing was the whole development of benchmarking. And then so it's no different now with this technology. People want to know it's one of the reasons we keep doing these studies, figure out what manufacturers are doing. <laughs> but having uh, the MEPs, other people who are out there working with this, having them essentially be be available as guides to people and say, yes, we've worked with other people who have done something similar to you in the past, to this in the past, and to help walk you through it is incredibly useful. I mean, in the same way that, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, you're learning basketball as a kid, or you're learning whatever, you need a coach, right? It, it's, it, it, you know, nobody, nobody starts out knowing how to do all this stuff. And, and let's talk about those studies because this is a rare opportunity for me to tap into your expertise since you've been in this environment for for some time and and have uh, conducted those pioneering research efforts I mentioned in the your bio uh, on manufacturing, you know, including the uh, the IW census of manufacturers, and then also as you mentioned those industry 4.0 studies. So, you know, I I mentioned in our, our first interview about the the 2014 uh, manufacturing study. And you know, even related to what is being conducted with this digital transformation for manufacturers assessment, you know, are the factors that held back the rate of innovation ten years ago the same now? Uh, you know, I can't speak for for every manufacturer. I will say the adoption of industry 4.0, even when I tell you that we've still got a number of manufacturers who are not doing as much as they could or not, or not moving into it. I don't think we've ever seen an adoption of a series of a set of technologies as, as quick as this. When we, the reason we did the first study on Industry 4.0, I think it was probably 2015, 16. I'm trying to remember exactly when, was because we had done our, our, our we do a study of uh, global study of manufacturing metrics uh, every two years, and in the previous one we had asked, you know, we were hearing a lot about the Internet of Things, and so we said, I said, do you have a strategy for this? And we had something like 42% say they hadn't even heard of the Internet of Things, which was kind of crazy to us because there was a lot of talk about it. So we started this study. And when we first did it, we had a lot of people still not doing it, didn't have a strategy, et cetera. We went from that to within two or three years having lots of manufacturers uh, telling us that they were not just using it, they were they had been more profitable in the previous year because they had adopted these technologies. And that continues to this day. So uh, I can't say that the factors of, of are, are different than they were before. I will say that this is an incredibly rapid adoption. I think when we look at this, 
and, and I think, frankly, COVID probably drove some Industry 4.0 uh, adoption as well. Uh, we had incredible, you know, disruption, you know, human tragedy going on there, and also incredible supply chain disruptions and 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 labor shortages that continue to this day. And I think a lot of people have turned to Industry 4.0 digitization as opportunities to figure out how to how to do work better, how to work make work safer for the workers who are there, and maybe and maybe more productive, and more profitable. So, right. and and even workforce challenges, notwithstanding, you know, having to be able to to adapt to that. And uh, you know, so what are some successful companies doing that others don't, and adapting to that changing land? And we're talking about a rapidly changing landscape. So. What are they doing, and um, you know, do you think the DTMA could could even help them more and and being successful? I do, and and it's in the the companies we see being successful. I mean, it's going to sound incredibly basic. If you look at okay, who are the internet leaders in, in the studies we do? Who are the ones who are going faster? They are the ones who have a have a strategy. They have a strategy that is adopted across the organization. They are investing you know, time, money, and effort into it. I mean, it, it sounds very basic, but the people, if you if you look at those subsets, they are doing significantly better. I think the other thing is, but having a plan doesn't mean, uh, for example, for most companies, but even especially for small and mid-sized manufacturers, the ones we see being successful this are with this do have a plan, but they are not looking to do some sort of big bang theory. We're going to digitize everything all at once. That is a recipe for frustration and maybe even disaster. What we see working is an iterative process. You take a look and, okay, let's focus on one project, work on that, see what we learn from that. And what we have found over and over again in looking at small, mid-sized manufacturers is that the ones who do that, you tend to make either save enough money or improve profitability enough when you do one of these projects to pay for the next project. So you're basically investing in that first project, but you're hoping to get enough there that you can do the next one, the next one, the next one, you keep paying for these and the business gets better incrementally as you go forward from there. And uh, I, I asked you this in, in, uh, during our first interview, I can't believe it was 2016, <laughs> I actually. Can't I can't either. <laughs> um, we were yeah. children then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but in any case, you know, the, you know, we, uh, there's, there's been so many disruptive technologies and, and everything else disruptive period, you know, that manufacturers have had to deal with. And so I, I feel hesitant even asking this, but, uh, but given your background uh, and your expertise, you know, what do you think that will be the next um, disruptive technology that manufacturers will need to address? Well, we're all talking about AI, and that is going to be incredibly important going forward. You know, I don't think it's immediate for manufacturers. I mean, it is. There are some manufacturers using it already. You know, to help to help their machines learn how to reset themselves between different, you know, different types of products, etc. Where I see a lot of opportunity over the next several years is with augmented or virtual reality techn- technologies. There are a number of manufacturers using these already, where you're able to essentially, for example, if you've got the newest, the, the new Google glasses or other that, you can have a heads-up display in the glasses that tells you which wrench to use, which bolt or screw to use next. Um, and 
you see this being used um, in in a variety of places where I think you know if you're uh, you know, when you're wiring an airplane, that's one of the most expensive, complicated time uh, time intensive processes. Well, with virtual reality, you can have the display of where the wires go projected on the plane in front of you so that you know what you're doing there. So I, I see huge opportunities here for not just, you know, complex manufacturing like airplanes, but in, in all kinds of areas. And, and you can if imagine if you're doing this kind of thing, it sort of changes then how you train as well, right? Uh, I know there, there's a company called Agco that makes tractors, very customized, you know, farm equipment where and I can't remember exactly. I believe their training went from 10 days down to three days because they were using these Google glasses with the, everything projected onto them because, and this was people used to have to, you know, put in a part, walk over to a hardened laptop, look up the next part, walk back. Whereas now you're standing, now you're there. And it's just imagine the efficiencies that we could see across manufacturing. So I think augmented and virtual reality technologies, that's not the future. That's here now. And you're going to see more and more adoption. AI is coming. Additive manufacturing. You know, you, you're seeing huge adoptions on that in, in, for example, hearing aid manufacturers. And so I think you're just going to continue to see that, maybe not for entire, uh, entire products, depending on the product, but for parts of them. Yes. And as you said, that's already here now. Um, so uh, what's next for the MPI group? Well, we are about to go out with our big manufacturing study again, which we we, we do. We're looking at industry digitization again this year. We're also getting into some other topics. We're looking at some of these newer technologies, um, looking at maybe doing some work on customer value, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So just in, in general, we our, our mission here is to help companies, not just manufacturers, but companies everywhere to manage more productively, more profitably, more humanely. And so we're kind of, we're on mission with trying to take that, not just from benchmarking specific, maybe business or operational practices, but looking at other things that people do as well. All right, John, thank you so much for being that rare repeat guest on the show. Thanks for having me and uh, always a pleasure, Catherine.